Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. What are they made of? Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. No tobacco leaf or stem. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online and they ship directly to most states. Or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, Three and Out Podcast, July 11th, as I record, semi early actually in the morning. Plan on playing a little golf this afternoon. Want to bang this bad boy out. A lot going on, actually. Uh, Schefter tweeted this morning about something that I'm about to dive right into. Uh, a trade request if the, if the player is not paid immediately. We'll dive into Melvin Gordon. The Texans now officially have a management problem. Rob, Robbie Gold, the 49ers kicker at the, uh, the Celebrity Golf Tournament in Lake Tahoe, I mean, he's basically admitted like he's not showing up to the San Francisco 49ers. The Niners have a problem. And then we'll do over-unders, NFC West. You know, my, probably my favorite division, the NFC or AFC West. Uh, I'm a sucker for the West Coast. And uh, excited to dive into that. And Middlecoff Mailbag. I, I said I needed some of you guys' questions. At John Middlecoff is my Instagram handle. And you guys flooded them. I got millions of questions. We'll answer them a little later on the pod. If you're new to the pod, I know a lot of you guys are. You want to get your questions answered, just go to my Instagram uh, direct messages wide open, slide up in there and ask whatever you want. So that, that's, how, that's how we do it on this show. Interact with the people. Uh, but, but first, let's dive into Melvin Gordon and, and the Chargers, who I guess informed the team or informed Schefter, or I, I don't even know, that he's not showing up to training camp without a new contract, and if they're not going to pay him, he demands a trade. And here's the reality. Life's all about leverage. 
There was a story that I read this morning uh, at the gym that Kawhi Leonard's uncle, Uncle Dennis, who basically acts as like his agent. I mean, he has an agent, but that's his guy. Uncle Dennis was demanding things from the Toronto Raptors that were insane. They basically said that like things that we've never heard of. Well, I got news for you. Kawhi Leonard has 100% of the leverage and the Raptors have nothing. If he wants to ask for the moon, he asked for the moon. Remember when LeBron James was asking for crazy stuff and Pat Riley said no? He just left, you know, because LeBron James had a bunch of leverage. We see it all the time. If you knock on my door right now and say, I want to buy your house, and I say no, I got all the leverage. Well, in this case, the Chargers have all the leverage because running backs in 2019 have never had more, had, have never had less leverage in the league. That's just a reality. And Melvin Gordon was a former first-round pick. They drafted him high. Do you know what? Here's another thing that kind of bothered me. I was thinking about this this morning. In 2015, when Melvin Gordon looked like a royal bust, I mean, he was terrible. He did not score a touchdown. He averaged three and a half yards per carry. He did not score a touchdown. He started 13 games, played in 14. Another thing, he doesn't play in 16 games. I didn't see the Chargers saying, we're going to cut him. We're going to throw him to the Wolves. No, they stuck by him. And then he's had a pretty solid career. He's become a really good player. And now he wants a new contract. He's scheduled to make $5.6 million. You play a position that's easily replaceable. And they like you. But I I got news for you. You don't have any leverage in this situation. Because one, like you're you're getting paid $5.5 million. What do you want? $10 million? So I'm going to give you a new contract? Well, a couple things. You've never proven you can stay healthy. You've played 16 games one time in your career. First year, 14. Second year, 13. Last year, 12. In 2017, his best season, he played all 16 games. And again, I like Melvin Gordon. He's a good player. But this notion like he's Zeke Elliott or some irreplaceable player, Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley, and again, I'd argue that most running backs are replaceable. One, you could, who are you trading him to? Like, who is trading for Melvin Gordon? I was thinking about this this morning. Who would trade a third-round pick for Melvin Gordon? Because, again, if you were to trade, I'm not saying I would trade, like he's worthy of a third-round pick, but then I have to pay him. Like, just because I trade for him, he's demanding a new contract. And, again, like, he has leverage in the sense that his leverage hurts him. Because if you do want to trade, no one's trading for you if I have to sign you a big contract. Because we've seen running back big contracts do not work. It's just It's just a fact. And here's the reality. In pro sports, in just the main two pro sports, you could argue baseball's just as big as basketball. You saw, I think, the ratings. I saw a tweet that the baseball all-star game outrated the NBA all-star game. But whatever. Major League Baseball players, if you're a good player, hell, I mean, Bryce Harper and Manny Machado got $630 million last offseason. Neither of them made the all-star team. So that baseball's kind of weird. But in basketball, superstar players have all the leverage. They have 100% all the leverage. They can tear their Achilles. They can tear their ACL. They can have labrum surgeries, bad shoulders, Kawhi, bad quad. No one gives a shit. Every team is lined up to give them maxes and do whatever they want. Take care of their uncles, fly their trainers, do whatever they want. They have 100% of the leverage. No player in pro sports has more leverage than like the top 10 superstars in basketball. They're on a different planet. Then there's the quarterbacks 
who have a lot of leverage too, but not quite as much because the franchise tag can get dicey, but they got a lot. And they usually work, you know, hand-in-hand with the team, and it's a lucrative partnership, you know, because the quarterback, unlike the NBA superstar, uh, is so much more dependent on his teammates. Like, you, you can't do it alone. I would say most other people in the NFL, beside maybe 20 players, you know, your Khalil Max, your Julio Jones, your Aaron Donald, again, we could list us have some leverage. Other than that, no player does. No player. I would say the last player on the pecking order of even good players with leverage are running backs. Because we just, the last big running back contract we saw, which I think we all would agree, this guy was a fantastic, phenomenal, looked like he had a Hall of Fame potential career ahead of him in Todd Gurley. And I wasn't the biggest Todd Gurley guy the first couple years. I'm like, I don't, the instincts for an elite guy. Again, I'm nitpicking. But he, I even came around on him. Like, that guy is a badass. I thought he was the MVP of the team. And he made their offense go. Well, his knee's gone. I'm like, he's never going to be the same. I got news for you. The Todd Gurley experience is over. Now, he's going to play, but it's never going to be the same. Well, Melvin Gordon, who is half Todd Gurley and, and still a really good player, uh, has rushed for 1,000 yards one time. He's a good pass catcher. He's averaged 33, 41, 58, 50, 180. So, like... You know, 40 catches a year. I mean, he's a solid pass catcher. 10 touchdowns, uh, which is important. But let's not act like he's some franchise changer. Now, the Chargers did invest a first-round pick into him, so you don't just want to let that guy go. But the one thing you'd say is their team is pretty well-equipped. And, like, they got other guys to pay. that are Bose is more important. He, he just is. Keenan Allen, Phillip Rivers, more important than Melvin Gordon. And Melvin Gordon, unlike Keenan Allen, is just much easier to replace. So I, I don't know. I, if I was Tom Telesco, I'd say see you week one. You're going to hold out week one? I'll call bullshit on that. I don't even know who they play week one. But we'll see you here, buddy, because we're not paying you. And one, if we can't even trade you because no one's going to trade us anything for you. Who Name me a team in the NFL right now that would trade a high pick, let's say a second or third round pick, and then give Melvin Gordon what he wants, probably $50 million guaranteed. Or let's say, let's even go down a little bit, 40 it doesn't exist. So I Melvin Gordon can ask and tell Schefter all this stuff, and clearly they're pissed off and mad at the man, want to be taken care of. They don't have any leverage. None. Okay, let's dive into the Houston Texans and their management issues. And listen, I, I like investing in the stock market. I do it a little bit on the side. You know, I'm a, I'm a poor, poor, poor man's day trader. I, I just, I'm very mad at myself when Snapchat hit about $4.00. I'm like, I, I should put like 10 grand on this thing. This is just, I, I hate Snapchat. Uh, my little brother, who's in his late 20s, only communicates through Snapchat. Uh, most of his friends text me through Snapchat. Like, it, it works with the younger generation. It's now, that, that was like less than a year ago. It's now at $15. Again, I can't stand the app, uh, but I knew there was something there. But I, when I try to invest in a company, it's usually more based on like who runs the company or if I really believe in the company. Like, I didn't believe in Snapchat, and I don't know anything about the guy that runs it. But I got no problem investing in Apple. Like, Tim Cook knows what he's doing. I don't have enough money to buy, like, five stocks of Amazon. It's like two grand. But I would bet on Jeff Bezos, right? Like, I I don't really quite understand the leadership of Twitter at Jack, but I use Twitter, and I feel its power every day. So I've invested a decent amount of money in Twitter stock. 
Just because I, I understand its power. You know, Netflix. Like, I, I've read about Reed Hastings. He's clearly a high-level guy. But I invested in Netflix more because clearly a lot of younger people are canceling their subscriptions. And you just go on Netflix. It's pretty damn cool. And it's not even that expensive. So it's like, I believe in that company. Well, it, I've worked in the NFL. And you hear this all the time. The NFL is no different like the Dow Jones and all the companies that are in, involved in it, right? Like you bet on companies with good management. Well, who's got the best management in the NFL? Belichick. He wins every year. Then go around the league. Andy Reid's teams are always well run. Uh, Pete Carroll's teams, always well run. What do those teams do? Consistently win. Hell, even John Harbaugh, even the Ravens, they haven't made the playoffs lately, but they're a pretty well run operation, right? And I think you can look around this in all sports. I have a front row seat here for the Golden State Warriors. They are a really well run operation. Like, I believe in management from the top down when it comes to pro sports, no differently than Fortune 500 companies. It's all, it, they all have peril. It, it, it's all similar. Like, at the end of the day, you're only a strong, what's the famous saying? Like, it's not necessarily about the buildings, but it's the people that are in the building. It's so true. But it's really about the people making decisions in those buildings. And when you look at the NFL, I would say Belichick's somewhat of an outlier, but clearly Casario and Scott Pioli have played big roles over his 20 years in New England and their successful run. But when you look at the best GM, head coaches, head coach combinations, like they're all on the same page. They're pretty important. And listen, I, I worked in the front office, so I'm going to lean for GM scouts, but I got news for you, and this isn't breaking news. Coaches are more important than GMs. But GMs are very, very important. Because during the season, and the Texans, where I'm going with this is the Texans are not going to hire a GM. Well, I got a massive red flag on the Texans now. And I like Bill O'Brien, but he's now on his third GM. And this third one doesn't even exist. He's got a problem of working with people. Again, I think he's a good coach. But that organization right now has issues. Because as I talked about in the last podcast, Chris Bauer wrote that article for MMQB. Chris Ballard and that organization, they got a streamlined operation. Every single person in there is on the same page. I'm betting big on the Colts moving forward. Now, who wouldn't? I mean, they got Andrew Luck. But I'm just saying the organization, the leadership they have, and just their vision. Like, what is the Texans' vision? You just better answer or agree with Bill O'Brien or you're going to get fired? Like, maybe if they had some more harmony in the organization, they wouldn't have a massive problem at offensive line. They did have Dwayne Brown. They did have Brandon Brooks once upon a time. Those guys are no longer there. Well, he's going through GMs every other year. It's a problem. Here's another thing. Like when a player, let's say week four, breaks his arm, let's say with the Kansas City Chiefs, well, Coach Reed goes, we're going to need another defensive back. So Veach goes, well, we got Middlecoff and Smith on the practice squad. What do we think of them? I got these other four guys this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy on the Panthers, the Saints, the Niners, and the Cowboys practice squad. I got them ranked one through four. We can sign one of them and bring them up. Or we can go this guy and this guy that are on the street veteran free agents. We could bring in for a workout. And then Coach Reed and Veach go, yeah, let's do, let's, let's bring in those guys for a workout. And if we don't like the way they look, we'll sign this guy off the practice squad. It's a pretty streamlined operation. There isn't much wasted time. Because like Bill O'Brien, a lot of these coaches around the NFL are calling plays. So they don't have that much time to mess with the personnel. Well, now Bill O'Brien, like when that happens, what does he do? 
Because I once was told this by a guy that worked with Nick Saban when he was with the Miami Dolphins. He said his biggest issue was during the season when these little issues come up, when a practice squad guy gets hurt, when a 53-man guy gets hurt, and you have to streamline the process when you gave Coach Saban the list of 10 guys, let's sign one of them, the personnel department had them graded and ranked, he'd have to watch every one of them or want to break them all down. You don't have the time to do that. That's where the general manager really comes in during the season. Or if you're going to make a trade or whatever. And right now, the, the, the Texans don't have one. So how, when they're, when the margin for errors in the NFL, it's a bounce here and a bounce there. What's the stat? Like 80% or 85% of games in the NFL come down to a one-score game in the fourth quarter. Like, even with the Patriots, this is not the NBA. Like, you don't just walk to championships. Like, you still need luck every single year. You still need little things to come through every single year. You're going to need a D forward offsides to make it to the Super Bowl. Like, the, the NFL, the margins, it doesn't get any slimmer. Like, the margins in basketball are huge. The margins in baseball, 90% of the teams don't even have a chance. In football, like, 20 teams when the start of the season have a chance. And then even by, like, December, it feels like 10 teams have a chance. Margins are small. And right now, the Texans are just making wider margins. Because their, their organizational hierarchy already has issues. And they've had issues consistently for years. So how can I bet against the Colts? And I, I, I feel even more strongly when I see this report. Like, Bill Bryan doesn't even want a GM. He just wants everyone to answer to him. Well, Bill, you don't have the time during the season. And it's consistently why you have some of these holes on your roster. You're not all-knowing. You didn't invent football. You don't know everything. You need help. But he clearly doesn't want it. And he clearly doesn't do that well in getting along with people. Like, it's now officially a problem. And if they were on the stock market, if they were on the Dow Jones, I wouldn't bet on the Texans. They don't like their organizational streamline. It's all messed up. Here's the other thing. In the NFL, and I'm not even saying everyone needs to kiss Bill O'Brien's feet. That's not the way it works. But I don't think that he's, like, okay or secure. I don't even know the right vocabulary word here. To have people consistently question him. Like, that's usually how you make progress. Like, Bill, your team has been a fringe first, second round team the last, like, four or five years. How are you going to get over the, the hump? You can keep blaming and pointing fingers at everyone else. You're, you're the Bill Belichick of pointing fingers. It's, that's, not even a, that's not even a contest. But you need help. Bill Belichick has realized, I need Josh McDaniels. I need Pioli and Casario. Andy Reid, you know, John Dorsey and Brett Veach, I need these guys. Pete Carroll, I need uh, John Schneider. Like, if, if the 49ers are going to ever figure it out, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch need each other. Just like Sean McVay, Les Snead. Uh, you, you need your GM. And he, this guy refuses to work with a GM. And I like Bill O'Brien. When I worked for the Eagles, me and a buddy, we drove down to Penn State, watched them practice. It was a clinic. I was like, God Damn, this guy's this guy's a badass. I was losing my hair then. I, did, I wasn't quite bald. I'm like, and I just love bald people that are badasses. I was all in on Bill O'Brien. I root for the guy. And I, I don't know. Something's just off. Something just is. Because he's proven he can win. But like to ever take that next step, I, I don't know. I just, there's something holding him back. Some personality quirk. And this, this report that he refused to have a GM... It's just, it's just a classic Bill O'Brien, probably the reason they'll lose in the first round. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, 
and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, I need to add some speakers. I need to tint out the windows. I need to make this thing the coolest car possible so I can cruise around town with all my buddies, waving at the babes, and enjoy myself. So my favorite part of car culture when I was young was definitely the subwoofers in the back of the car. And uh, we built the boxes from scratch, had multiple 12-inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long, long way away. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, let's dive into Robbie Gold, the 49ers kicker who wants no part of the franchise tag. And who basically said yesterday at this celebrity golf tournament, he's a good golfer, a bald-headed guy also, that he doesn't plan on showing up. And he's doing it because of his family. And I remember Doc Rivers had a great line. And it's stuck with me ever since he said it. He said in sports, your talent has to outseed your problems. has to be greater than your problems. If your problems exceed your talent, you're done. And it's like that in basketball, it's like that in football, it's like that in baseball, it's like that in most, you know, I would say businesses, 
But in pro sports, given how much money you're paying people, it's definitely true. The moment you become a bigger pain in the ass than you are a talent, you're done. It's a pretty basic philosophy in life, right? And most of you guys that root for different teams, we've all seen that player come through and get rid of him, and you feel better when he's gone. Well, there's a couple positions where they can make a stink, and you just kind of have to deal with it. I would say the number one position is quarterback. Once they become good, like Roethlisberger, Rodgers, Luck, Brady, Wilson, like they can kind of cause some problems. Now, most of them don't, but if they did, and just a pain in your ass, and when I say problems, I don't mean like getting arrested. I'm just saying contractually, be prickly in the building, whatever, you just deal with it. I would say the one position, besides like a long snapper, that can 100% not be a pain in anyone's ass is the kicker. And Robbie Gold, and I was texting with someone from the 49ers yesterday, He's a major pain in their ass right now. He is about to make more money. Let, let me let me bring up this text message because I, I don't want to factually get it incorrect. That Here's one thing. The 49ers, they've obviously franchise tagged him. In 2016 and 2017 and 2018, if you combine his last three years of earning, is less money than the franchise tag this year. So he is being paid a premium. And he's adamant that he wants to live in Chicago, not leave Chicago, the team that cut him, and be with his family. Now, if there's something that I don't know, and I ask people with the 49ers, like, are his kids sick? And they say, I, not that we know of. So if his kids were sick or some extenuating circumstances, I would understand, right? It was just, you know, a unique thing. But it's like, bro, your family, your young children that don't get it yet, want you to earn this cash. The 49ers have also offered him multiple contract extensions. Like, you are a kicker, my man, who is 36 years old and was cut a couple years ago and had nowhere to go. So the franchise tag, which, you know, Le'Veon Bell, whatever people can argue about, for a kicker, when a guy has made no money the last three years, is 16, 17, and 18, do not add up to this season. And you're still bitching and moaning? Like, I'm sorry. Now, here's the issue for the 49ers. Like, we talked about Melvin Gordon the 49ers have majority of the leverage because like, hey, Robbie, we own you, my man. This is not the NBA. We don't get pushed around, especially by kickers. But like, if he doesn't show up, you do need a kicker. So is this guy going to show up week one? And I think the 49ers are strictly betting on, yeah, he's going to show up week one. Again, this amount of money is more money than he's made the last three years. And we've offered him money. Here's the thing I don't get. Like, hey, Robbie. You have to live in the Bay Area for four freaking months. If your team's good, hopefully five. But like your children and definitely your wife want you to work and make this cash. So unless your children are sick or something weird is going on that you should make public so everyone's not shitting on you like I am right now, show up and kick the damn football through the uprights. Because I have zero sympathy. Like I do have some sympathy for Melvin Gordon. You know, he's been injured. He wants to get his cash. I get where he's coming from. Now, I'd also say, bro, you were drafted in the top 15. You made $15 million. They're going to pay you $5 million this year. They didn't kick you to the curb when you were a royal bust year one. They stood by you. Like, Robbie, when when the Chicago cut you, and then you went to the Giants, and then you were a free agent, and no one wanted you, the 49ers signed you to a contract. And then since you've proven that you're still pretty good, they've offered you boatloads of money. And you say you want to live in Chicago. I got news for you. Life ain't this simple. And most people... You know, in most jobs, even if they're good at their profession, don't ever sniff this type of money. And I kick paying a kicker $5 million, we can argue that all day long. Now, Robbie Gold's been really good for the 49ers. But like, bro, just sign the contract, play this year. What are you going to do? Intentionally miss kicks? 
Because uh, uh, we've talked about that around here. Like, what if week one he shows up and intentionally missed kicks? Well, I'll tell you what would happen. I think Joe Staley or a player in the 49ers would legitimately kick the shit out of him in the locker room. And they would be, and I would 100% have their back if they beat his ass in the locker room. Robbie Gold's not going to intentionally miss kicks. Is he just not going to show up? Well, I'm going to call his bluff, and I'm sure the 49ers are. You're, you're going to pass up. You do the math. $5 million divided by 17 weeks. I don't know about you, but that's pretty big direct deposits. So, again, your children, you're going to pass up that cash? I'm going to call BS on that. Uh, but his problems now, like he is becoming a major problem for the 49ers. But he has a little leverage because they do kind of need him, but they're not going to cut him. And they 100% should not, when I say cut, release from the contract, whatever, rescind the franchise tag. Like, no, Robbie. Because every franchise, the NFL is a, is a pro-management league. The management does not get pushed around by kickers. Sometimes it gets pushed around by quarterback or wide receiver or a pass rusher. But a kicker, a 36-year-old kicker, is not, especially an organization that is very progressive with money. Like, they're always ahead of the curve. They're always willing to pay guys that play well in the uniform. Like, the 49ers are not cheap. But they have official Robbie Gold problem. And uh, I 100% on the 49ers side on this. But I do think it could get kind of dicey. And I don't really understand what Robbie Gold's endgame is in all this. Uh, my recommendation would be, bro, show up for four months, kick, make $5 million. They probably are not going to franchise you a second time. Then you can go wherever you want. If you want to play for the Bears, stay in Chicago and play for the Bears. But you're doing your children and your wife and your children's children a disservice by holding out. And here's the other thing I'd do if I was the 49ers. Typically in a contract holdout, like for the Chargers, let's say Gordon holds out three weeks and he comes back and they sign him to contract, they waive all the fines. I wouldn't waive one freaking fine for Robbie Gold. So that $5 million would immediately turn into like, if I could find you, I'd find you the max amount. I don't know what that number is, 50 grand, 80 grand, whatever the number is. Every day you miss. And then when you finally do show up week one, I'm giving you the invoice. Here's what you owe, buddy. So when your, when your paycheck comes week one, there's going to be a large amount missing. There might be zero because we're finding the living shit out of you every day you miss. You're not holding us over a barrel. That is not the way this league works from a kicker standpoint. So Robbie Gold, get ready to be fine because I would fine you until the cows come home. Okay, let's dive into the over-unders for this week, the NFC West, a division that is near and dear to my heart. My favorite, you know, one of my favorite divisions in, in football. Uh, the 49ers, the Rams, Seattle, and the Cardinals. Obviously, the Rams have won it back-to-back years. Uh, they've hosted, you know, two years ago, they got beat in the first round. Last year, made the Super Bowl. Seattle, for the first time in five years, missed the playoffs two years ago, but then bounced back this year. The Cardinals had a one-and-done coach, now have a new coach. The 49ers, kind of the media darling last year, Jimmy Garoppolo goes out in week three. They suck. They get the number two overall pick. Kind of a fascinating division. My overall macro view on this division is I think the Rams come back to earth a little bit this year. Let's start with them. They're the heavy favorites to win. you got to bet $200 to win $100 on them winning the division, and their over-under is 10.5. The best player on their team, not named Aaron Donald, is Todd Gurley. He has knee tendonitis, arthritis, I don't even know what. But it's not good. He's never going to be the same. We have to come to grips with that. It's over for Todd Gurley being an elite running back. Well, Is it over for them being an elite offense? Because they were an elite offense with Todd Gurley. He changed the game. Now, they draft a running back in the second round, or in the second day. 
Like, that's a pretty big red flag. That's basically the team. I say it all the time. I don't judge you by what you say. Pete Carroll's like, Colin Kaepernick's the starting quarterback. He refused to sign him as his backup. Liar. We hang our hat on this show and in my life, no frauds. So don't be a hypocrite with your words. And Todd Gurley, they can say whatever they want about Todd Gurley's knee. You draft a running back on the second day of the draft, you're telling me what you think of Todd Gurley, that he's in trouble. So they lost Ndamukong Sue, who was hit or miss. But to me, the biggest thing they got, and they lost LaMarcus Joyner, like they lost some players. But to me, Todd Gurley not being the same is the only thing that matters. McVay's proven big-time coach. Wade Phillips, big-time defensive coordinator. I, I just think, to me, this might be like an eight-win team this year. Like, there's, there's nothing wrong with having a down year being eight, eight wins. Like, I don't think they're going to be like four or five wins. They're going to be good. They're going to be competitive. But the 10.5 over-under, I'm taking the under. It's actually one of my favorite unders of the season. I'm going under Rams, 10.5, and, and I would not bet them to win the division. Now, the team that's consistently been the best team in this division for the last six or seven years, the Seattle Seahawks. They're kind of a fascinating one. Uh, when I think the Seattle Seahawks, I close my eyes, I think nine or ten wins. I think their culture, they showed last year, they just prevail. My favorite over-unders in any sport the last like ten years was the Spurs last year. It was like 42 games. Like, you think the Spurs are going to be 500? They've made the playoffs for 20 straight years. What the Spurs do? They made the playoffs again. I think they won 48 games. There's culture. What would Chip say? Culture's bigger than talent. That's not, that's bullshit. Talent plus culture is greater than anything, and that's what Seattle consistently has because they cultivate it, they develop it. Pete Carroll's an elite coach. John Schneider's an elite GM. Russell Wilson's an elite quarterback. They win freaking games. They have a culture on defense that if you come across the middle, they're hitting you in the teeth. And they don't care about the rules, the softness of football. They buckle their chin strap, and they hit people freaking hard. And you're watching, you're like, who are these guys? Where's Cam Chancellor, Richard Sherman? All those guys are gone. They got the Griffin twins. They got all these new guys that you know aren't as good as those guys, but the mindset and the standard in that organization has not changed. On defense, they hit people, and they hit people hard. Now, from a personnel like kind of in the nitty-gritty in the weeds here, they did lose their third-best player last year. They traded him, Frank Clark. Obviously, Russell's their best player. Bobby Wagner's their second-best player. Frank Clark was their third-best player. He's gone. They signed Ziggy Ansah. They drafted, I think, LJ Collier. Or was that the Chargers pick? I know they drafted a first-round pass rusher. But Frank Clark's a big, big hole for them. So can Ziggy, the first-round pick, equal that? I don't know. This is what I'm talking about, winning the division. Because you can get them plus 300 to win the division. Uh, I'm confident, though, Seattle's going to be good. Uh, The quarterback, they have the best quarterback in the division by a mile. They're the best coach in the division, you know, pretty well established, just based on his resume. They have the best consistent culture in the division. Uh, I'm just, just, I think they're a playoff team, or at least competing to get in the playoffs. I would say my, they're not even a sleeper in this division. Just from a value standpoint, the 49ers over-under is eight. Kyle Shanahan, who I think the entire league, if he became a free agent tomorrow, 10 teams would hire him. I think it's pretty well established. Everyone in the NFL thinks he's a big-time coach. Well, if you're a big-time coach, you can't go three years without making the playoffs. That is not how the NFL works. You have to make... He's too good of a coach not to make the playoffs. He, he hasn't come close the last two years. Well, the first year, started the year with Brian Hoyer. They sucked. Last year, Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt. We can't even judge him. This year, they have a big offseason. Obviously, Jimmy comes back from the ACL. I've been at practice. He's good. George Kittle, they draft Debo Samuels. I think Dante Pettis is going to take a big step. They go sign Tevin Coleman. Their offense should be a lot better. To me, the biggest question mark on the team is defense. 
Well, what do they go do? They go get D Ford, who, you know, flawed player, whatever, but they're desperate for just a true speed pass rusher. They draft Nick Bosa. So now their front has DeForest Buckner, who's a badass, and D Ford and Nick Bosa. And Solomon Thomas. I'm not a big Solomon Thomas guy, but I will say, being in practice, he slimmed down and he looks a little bit better. They're going to win up front. And you look at teams like Pittsburgh and Kansas City, for example. Their defensive secondaries have been terrible the last couple years. So even last year. But what did both those two teams do? They dominated as a pass rushing team. They were near the league lead leaders in sacks. So if you can sack the quarterback, you can get by with shitty defensive backs. Now, you obviously got to score points on offense. But if you can score points and rush the passer, your team's going to be good. I think the 49ers are going to score points. And I think they're going to be a top 6-7 you know, team in sacks and pressures at the end of the season. Again, this is in theory. I'm not the biggest Nick Bosa guy. He's already hurt. But you draft a guy at two, like, I'm sorry. He better be pretty damn good year one. Or else they're getting blasted for that pick. And I'm already kind of on tilt on the pick to begin with. But if you're just betting on him being solid to go along with D4 and DeForest Bucks, because the one thing you'd say is, even if you're not the biggest Nick Bosa guy, he's on a big-time defensive line. Like, they just got a lot of good players. So I, I just like this team. I think they're a fringe playoff team. I think they're a 9 or 10 win team. I'm taking the over on 8. I think the plus, you know, basically 5.5 to 1 is pretty tasty to win the division. Because every year you see worst to first. Now, they weren't worst. Actually, they uh, no, they Cardinals were worse. But, like, they're a type team that I could see, you know, winning 10 games. I actually have been thinking a lot about this. I think 10 games is a lock to win this division. I think there's a chance, like... The the team that wins the NFC West is nine and seven. Seattle or the 49ers. And the Rams right there at eight or nine wins too. Now I, I like the Rams under ten and a half, and I, I feel probably more comfortable at eight and eight. But if you tell me nine and seven wins this division, I see it. And then the Arizona Cardinals. I think the Arizona there's a chance the Arizona Cardinals are the worst team in football. Uh they're by far, by far on the side I use the biggest underdog in the NFC to win their own division. The only team close to them, I think, is like Detroit at 11-1. to They are 25-1 to to win the NFC West. I was thinking about this the other night. Laying in bed. This is what I do. Kind of sick. I have no life. That the Cardinals. That we know for a fact that a couple of these coaches are going to be a disaster in this hiring cycle. Like, immediately know a disaster. Like, we knew pretty early on, like, Vance Joseph, that ain't working. Steve Wilkes, that's a problem. I, I think it's going to be LaFleur, but Zach Taylor, LaFleur, I, it's not going to be Arians. Uh, and Cliff Kingsbury, I would say a pretty good lock, one of those three, after year one, we think, this guy has no business being a head coach. Listen, I get this guy was successful in, in college. But to think Cliff Kingsbury is going to come to the Cardinals and have any success seems a little crazy. I also just think it's kind of crazy to think that he's just going to come to the NFL and score a bunch of points. He runs this spread up-tempo offense. Yeah, a lot of teams do now. That's not new. We see it all the time. I don't know what he's necessarily bringing to the table that's going to work. And is there a chance? And again, I like Kyler Murray. I thought he was a big-time prospect because he has he does one thing really well, and he's accurate throwing the football. But is there a chance he stinks? Their offensive line's atrocious. Their receivers, beside Larry Fitzgerald, they're depending on all these young guys. Christian Kirk and all the guys they drafted. So they drafted like multiple slot receivers. 
I was going to say DK Metcalf, but they drafted <clears throat> Hakeem Butler, I think the guy from Iowa State. Isabella from, I don't know, Maine or Massachusetts or one of those little schools in the Northeast. Like, I, are these guys going to be good year one? Especially in a division that 49ers can really rush the passer. Cardinals O-line sucks. The I mean, Aaron Donald could beat the Cardinals offensive line one on five. And then Seattle just has a mindset. They're going to kick the shit out of you every time they play. I, I think there's a chance the Cardinals win like two games. I, I mean, I, I think there's a chance they are a royal, royal disaster. So there's a reason they're the biggest underdog because they're the worst team in this division. So I like the 49ers over. I like the Rams under. And again, when I say under at 10.5, that could be 9 wins. That could be 10 wins. Hell, they might go 10-6. I don't think they're a 10-win team. I think they come back to earth 8-8. Eight and eight. I like Seattle over 8.5. And, and the Cardinals 5. I'm, I'm taking the under. Worse, we push. Uh, I'm just I'm betting against Cliff Kingsbury. Like You can't win the Big 12 where there's no defense. Uh, I, I just don't see you winning the NFL. I, I, I just do not see it. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, I need to add some speakers. I need to tint out the windows. I need to make this thing the coolest car possible so I can cruise around town with all my buddies, waving at the babes, and enjoy myself. So my favorite part of car culture when I was young was definitely the subwoofers in the back of the car. And uh, we built the boxes from scratch had multiple 12-inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long, long way away. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Sometimes it's a struggle between buying what you want over buying what you need. But with the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can do both. You earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you can earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards 
on what you need, like paying for parking. Earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like those new golf clubs you've been eyeing. And 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a divot repair tool for after you've torn up your lawn. Let's try that again. Earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like workout equipment for your home. And then earn 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller to soothe your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the active cash credit card. It's ready when you are. With unlimited 2% cash rewards, the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. Okay, Middlecoff mailbag time. Uh, like I said, I recorded earlier because the game plan was to go play golf. I did that, but I didn't finish. And so now I'm home and I need to record the Middlecoff mailbag. So that is the game plan right now. Let's see if these Middlecoff mailbag questions can load. I just saw that Russell Westbrook has been traded for Chris Paul. Listen, I love the NFL. Uh, it's better than the NBA, but the NBA has had a pretty incredible offseason. You know, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, Kemba Walker, I'm sure I'm Kyrie, Kevin Durant. I mean, think about the players that moved teams this offseason. Holy hell. That, that's insane. That, I mean, that'd be the equivalent of like Aaron Rodgers, Andrew Luck, Russell Wilson, Odell Beckham, Khalil Mack, and Aaron Donald all moved teams in the same offseason. Just that will never happen in the NFL, which is a good thing. Uh, but wow, what what an offseason. Hey, big fan. Love the podcast. Me too. Steelers fan, between A.B. Bell and Big Ben, who do you believe will win the breakup? And what are the metrics are you using determining your answer? It's a good question. Well, let's start with the Steelers. If the Steelers make the playoffs, regardless what the other two do, you're in good shape. You won. Like, you won your half. If Ben plays well, Juju's good. I know Juju told Schefter that James Washington's been really good. They've been training together. I always put stock. The Steelers draft a a wide receiver in the second or third round. That guy's going to be good. They drafted him two years ago in the second round. Juju was, what, three years ago in the second round? And he's a baller. Uh, Now, Juju was a better college player than James Washington, but he's different. James is a deep threat, uh, and I I think think he's going to be good. So if they make if if the Steelers win the division, regardless what Le'Veon and Antonio do in a vacuum, they've won their half. To me, Le'Veon, if he just balls out and the Jets are competitive, like to me that that was just a no-win situation. The Antonio one's a little different. If Antonio continues to ball, puts Derek back in the MVP consideration, the Raiders are competitive, then I think he can win that scenario. I, to me, the Le'Veon deal, they offered him money. Le'Veon refused to take the franchise tag. Like, I, I don't necessarily know if there was any other outcome there. It just kind of is what it was. You know, the Antonio one was a little dicey, right? That was on, you know, that Mike Tomlin, Roethlisberger. To me, that one, you're going to be able somewhat to, I, I, I would guess, say there's a winner and a loser, but, you know, these situations are hard. I mean, the Raiders probably aren't going to be very good. I, I think more than more likely than not, like Antonio, how's Antonio going to match his production from the last six years with the Raiders? I, I don't know. I don't see it. Unless Derek is awesome, and Derek hasn't been good the last couple of years. Hoping you can help me out with a bet. Who do you like for more yards and TDs, Rivers or Jimmy G? 
I'm a Niner fan and feel good about Jimmy, but thinking about big money here. That's a good question. Well, I think the safest bet, if you just look at it on the surface, Jimmy Garoppolo has played two games in New England. He played five games in San Francisco. So that's seven. Then he started three games last year. That's ten games. He started ten games in his career. And two of those he's been hurt. So right now, every five games, Jimmy averages he gets hurt. Google Philip Rivers' game log. I'm pretty sure Philip Rivers plays 16 games basically every season. So I think the safe bet is Rivers. Keenan Allen. Uh, I almost called him Mike Wallace. Uh, Mike Williams, is that his name? The, the, dude, the dude, I'm blanking right now. The dude from Clemson that makes plays. I like that guy. Uh, you know, Hunter Henry coming back. I sound like Stephen A. Smith. Melvin Gordon, if he does come back, I mean, he catches 50 balls a year. I, I would say Phillip Rivers. Just now, again, I'm a Jimmy G homer in the sense that I think Jimmy G's a baller. But until you prove Jimmy G's never played. He's played 10 games in his career. Started 10 games in his career. Now, granted, for four years, beside the one when Brady was suspended, you're never going to start over Brady. But still, we just haven't seen him on the field. Hey, John, love the show. Me too. Uh, I know you get a lot of Browns questions. I, I do. And I, I I don't blame you guys. If you're a Cleveland Browns fan, you should be fired the hell up. You got Baker Mayfield, Odo Beckham, Jarvis Landry. Your team is relevant nationally. I, I got no... Like I, I love that I get a lot of Browns questions. I love that I get a lot of Colts questions. Imagine if this was an NBA podcast. You think like the Minnesota Timberwolves would hit me up? I mean, I get a ton of Bengals questions. I get a ton of Giants questions. It's a great part about the NFL. All your teams... The Giants, maybe not, but most of your teams have a shot. And the Browns, for the first time, it feels like of my adult life, like anything less than the playoffs is going to be a letdown. Best case scenario is for the Browns this season. What is your best case scenario for the Browns? AFC North champs, AFC title game. Just want your thoughts. I'll say this. If the Browns win the division, if they win the AFC North, that is a major freaking success. That would mean more than likely you win double-digit games. You've won the division for the first time and I don't I mean, I'm not a Browns guy, so I don't know the exact number. Feels like, I don't know, 25 years. Uh, you would host a playoff game. Even if you were to lose in the first round, I would equate it to McVay's first year in L.A. They won the division. They lost in the first round of the Rams. That was a raging success. So, to me, anything... Uh, if you made the playoffs, that's a success too. If you win, like if the Steelers won the division at 11 wins and you won 9 or 10 and you made a wild card, that's success too. But if you won the division and lose in the first round of the playoffs or win a wild card and lose in the first round, to me, that's a, that's a home run. Now, obviously, you'd love to win a playoff game and all that stuff, but to me, that's gravy. I mean, in Baker's second year, Freddie Kitchen's first year, you make the playoffs, uh, everything, like every playoff game you play in is gravy. A playoff game for the Cleveland Browns. I mean, ideally, you want to win the division so you can host a playoff game. But winning a wild card, depending on how the division's set up, like imagine if you won the fifth wild card and the fourth division. Let's say you won nine games and the, and you're the it probably wouldn't be the five seed. Let's say you won ten games and you were the five seed and the Steelers won eleven and they were the four seed. You'd feel pretty good about your chances, especially if let's say you split during the regular season. Uh, the, it's not like the Steelers are some juggernaut. So I, I'm bullish on the Browns, though I'm apprehensive on the fact that 
it's just hard for me to say they're a locked playoff team. I mean, Baker started 12 games. Freddie Kitchens been a head coach for zero games. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Uh, I'm a big Lions fan and wondering, given Stafford is entering his 11th year in the league, when should the Lions start thinking about drafting another quarterback to groom the future? I would say this is a pretty big year. Uh, Patricia in his second year. If Stafford kind of shits the bed and they win five or six games, you know, we'll be coming down the home stretch of Matt Stafford. If they're competitive and they win eight or nine games or compete for the playoffs, he's kind of a made guy. Now, granted, they paid him big cash a couple years ago, so he's probably, it's a moot point in the sense that you're in bed with him this year and next year. But I would say even next year, you know, because you're not going to be able to cut him, you may draft a quarterback in this draft. You know, if you're drafting the top 10, that wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility. I have a soft spot for Matt Stafford. Uh, Again, I have a soft spot for big arm playmakers. And I know he has his flaws, but, you know, I kind of lean on the side. Can you imagine if Matt Stafford, when he was 22 years old, would have been drafted by Sean Payton, would have been drafted by Andy Reid, would have got to play for a McVay, a Kyle Shanahan, how his career might have changed? I mean, mean, seriously, you know, he was not Matt Ryan. Like, Matt Ryan Ryan is the type player who would have succeeded for anyone. He's just slow and steady, and he's going to figure it out. Matt Stafford's a little more boom or bust. And he happened to go to, you know, I, I, I said this last week, like, have the Lions ever won a playoff game in their franchise history? And someone tweeted me, I guess in the 90s they won one, or maybe in the last, like, 30 years. Like, he went to the Lions. I, I, I hate to break it to you, but the Detroit Lions, and I'm not even trying to be an asshole or anything, are just kind of a joke franchise. And I don't think Matt, Matt Stafford necessarily is a joke player. Just like Barry Sanders wasn't a joke player, just like Calvin Johnson wasn't a joke player. But when you're part of that franchise, you're just going to lose more than you win. And I I can't put that all on Stafford. I've heard rumors that the Ravens won't be running Lamar as much this year. And he's made progress with his throwing. Do you believe, do you believe that? And how good will he have to be for them to make the playoffs? Well, their defense isn't going to be as good. So their offense is going to have to be dramatically better. They drafted Marquise uh, Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown from Oklahoma. He's supposed to be healthy. They signed Mark Ingram. So, you know, they should be a little more explosive on offense. Again, in theory, I, I just, I don't know. I, I have a hard time sitting on my couch on a Sunday morning and on the West Coast, the Ravens games typically start at 10 a.m. and flipping on Ravens-Browns or Ravens-Jets. I mean, I don't know if they play the Jets, but you, you catch my drift. And seeing Lamar throw for like 300 yards. I'm just talking on random games. Let alone when they play the Steelers, the Patriots, whoever the good teams are they play. Like, how many how many 300... Ask yourself this if you're a Ravens fan. Close your eyes and imagine the season just ended. You played 16 games. Lamar made it out healthy. How many 300-yard games does Lamar Jackson have on his ledger? I mean, is it hard to see like less than three? You know, the other guy I left out, Andrews, the tag, the tight end from uh, from Oklahoma. He's a he's a really good player. They drafted is Hayden Hurst on the Ravens too. I mean, they they do have some weapons. Like if you told me that like Derek Carr was their quarterback or something, I I would be a little more bullish on their yeah. He is, Hayden Hurst is a uh, Baltimore Raven. I mean, they got they do have some talent on offense. I'm not gonna people think I'm a hater, but. Hayden Hurst, he only got 13 balls. He was obviously hurt last year. But yeah, I mean, they, there's not much excuse. They got multiple tight ends. They got a legit deep threat. They got a pretty sweet 
all, you know, kind of complete running back. Again, when I say sweet, Mark Ingram's just a very, very solid running back. He's like a, he's like a better version. I, I, he's like a poor man's Frank Gore. Kind of does everything well, but nothing spectacular. But he's not that good. You, you know what I'm saying? I like I like Mark Ingram. I've always liked Mark Ingram since he kind of turned around his career a couple years ago. Great podcast. You're massively underrated and deserve more recognition. God, is this my mom? You said you need some questions, so here you go. Which position in the NFL has the widest gap between the best player and the second best player at the position? I actually heard, I think, like, Rosillo's podcast, he did this question. And they all said Aaron Donald. The problem I have with Aaron Donald is, like, when Fletcher Cox is pretty freaking good. Like, Aaron Donald's a Hall of Famer, but Fletcher Cox is a Hall of Famer, too. So I don't think the gap is that crazy. Obviously, quarterback, you know, the top three or four, relatively close. The receivers are all jumbled. I mean, the running back, you'd go, well, Todd Gurley shot. Le'Veon hasn't played in a year. Kamara isn't really a workhorse, you know, between the tackle guy, but he's pretty remarkable. I mean, Zeke is probably the best all-around running back, but if Le'Veon's solid, he's pretty damn good too. Uh, I'd have to text some of my pro scouting buddies about the line. Uh, Luke Keekley, Bobby Wagner, pretty close. Who's the best corner right now? Ramsey? Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's a hell of a question. I, I don't have a great answer for you. I would say the biggest gap in the NFL is between Belichick and the second best coach. Darius Geis is one of the top running backs coming out of last year's draft, but was missed the season because he tore his ACL. What should we expect from him coming into this year? I mean, obviously, everyone I knew in the league loved him coming out of college. I liked him a lot coming out of college. Uh, did have some character, some red flags off the field, but that shouldn't necessarily hurt his ability to play if he's healthy. I, I would say, you know, depends who their quarterback is. If Case Keenum starts half the year, then, you know, uh, what's his name from Ohio State? Dwayne Haskins. I think the Redskins are just going to suck, you know. I- I'm a big Chris Thompson fan. I love Chris Thompson. If Darius Guy starts balling and Chris Thompson should be had, I mean, that's a... We talk a lot about, like, NBA trade pieces. People should be all over trading for Chris Thompson. So I, I'd say eight to 900 yards would be a pretty successful, you know, quote-unquote rookie year. The nerds at PFF have concluded that statistically the Green Bay Packers had the best O-line in the league last season. They just gave up the third most sacks. Is this, the fl- is this a flaw of Aaron Rodgers or just nerds being nerds? Uh, that's a good question. Is it nerds being nerds? Well, in fairness to the PFF guys, and I don't, I don't agree with their grading because I don't even know what it means. Like you, you say the guy scored a ninety-five. Like I, I got no freaking clue what that means. Now, if you say if you rank the players, then I can follow that a little bit better. I'll say this: like Rogers, like Deshaun Watson, the Houston Texans, I think gave up the most sacks in the league. They had the, you know, everyone views them as having the worst offensive line, and I don't think that's necessarily not true. But Deshaun Watson and Kaepernick it was a lot like this too. When you do like 360s in the pocket because you're going to scramble, your offensive line doesn't really know what's going on. I remember talking to Joe Staley about this one time, uh, about Kaepernick. Like This was before Kaepernick ever knelt and became like a political figure. This was just when he was a football player, and you could just talk about him normally with other people. And I remember interviewing, I had a radio show and interviewing Joe Staley, and there was we were interviewing the day after a game, and he'd given up a sack, but it really wasn't his fault because Kaepernick like did a 360 in the pocket, 
Rodgers is a little less version of that. I mean, he's obviously much better than Kaepernick. But he does do some weird shit. Like, because he can freelance. And that's, you know, arguably, beside just when he's on in the pocket, his greatest strength is scrambling and keeping plays alive and then throwing dimes outside of the pocket, behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah, it can be hard to block. You know, I... It's just, it's not the easiest thing to do for to block for a quarterback. Like, if you're blocking for Phillip Rivers or Peyton Manning or Tom Brady, they're not going to, even Drew Brees, they don't move. So you just take your kick set and you just try to, you know, hold the guy and neutralize him for two and a half, three seconds, right? If you're, if you're blocking for Aaron Rodgers, or Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, those dudes like just make shit up out of nowhere. It's like, oh, and they, you know, they fly out of the pocket, and it's it's harder to be an offensive lineman. It, it really is. I'm not, I guess, you know, taking like saying it's not every sack is the quarterback's fault because that's not the way it is. You have to break down the film and really kind of study it. But yeah, I, I think there is some merit to that. What kind of season would Mitchell Trubisky have to have to begin to flip the narrative? Well, I, I, I don't really know what the narrative is on Mitch Trubisky. I think the narrative right now is he's a talented quarterback, but he's still a pretty flawed quarterback. Like, he's not a good player, but he's not a bad player. He's just a player that happens to be on a really, really good team. And I think sometimes when you play on a really, really good team, like a young Russell Wilson and a young Kaepernick are good examples. And their teams are probably better versions of the Bears because they had more offensive weapons. I mean, Seattle had... Marshawn Lynch was such a badass, and Doug Baldwin was a really good player. The Niners had Frank Gore, Crabtree, Vernon Davis. Like, they had probably more weapons Chicago. Though, Tariq Cohen's good, and Allen Robinson's good. The Bears really have a tight end. They're definitely more defense. I mean, those teams were too. But you, you know what I'm saying. Like, those teams had a couple game breakers. Where, you know, I, I, I think it's fair to start judging Mitch this year. And I, I've heard Matt Nagy talk about on some OTA press conferences where he's like, you know, Mitch just feels like he's more comfortable in this offense as he should be. He's a year in. So I I think it's just, we'll see when the year ends. If he could have 30 touchdowns and 15 picks and they're an 11, 12 win team, like he's got to throw some picks, but he's also going to make some plays. You know, I mean, he's a big time. I, I like Mitch Trubisky. Now, do I love Mitch Trubisky? No, but I like him. I'm a fan. And, when he was coming out of college, when you kind of dove into his North Carolina tape, and I, I did a YouTube video. I was dabbling in YouTube a couple years ago and just making a couple of videos. He was a pretty accurate quarterback in North Carolina. And one of the knocks in the pros is he wasn't very accurate. And if you think about the playoff game, he was pretty terrible. I don't care what the box score says. Every time he dropped back, I felt like he was going to throw a pick against the Eagles. But guess what? When you're 23 years old, 24 years old, You've been starting for literally two years since high school. One in college, then one in the pros. Like a playoff game in the NFL against the defending champs is tough. So I'm not just going to sell Mitch Trubisky down the river because he struggled in a playoff game against the Eagles. Like, people struggle in the playoff games against the Eagles. Like, it's not that crazy. How many pieces away are the Colts from being a top three Super Bowl favorite? What type of player would be a perfect fit to put in their system? Uh, Because Eric Ebron's kind of emergence. I like the two young running backs. He's still got T.Y. You know, when you think about the defense, I, I would just say a dynamic pass rusher. If they can, now they're not going to be able to just get this guy, but like, if you just said Khalil Mack was on their team, I'd be like, shit, they're a, 
they could be the one seed, right? Or had Aaron Donald or, hell, even like a DeForest Buckner. Just a dominant defensive lineman. Akeem Hicks, uh, a Fletcher Cox. Just someone that you went, oh my God, that is clearly their best player on defense. Now, Darius Leonard's a really good player. They drafted the kid from Temple, who Chris Ballard can't stop talking about. But, you know, being a rookie corner is hard. Think about who you have to cover in that division. Well, the Texans have Hopkins. I don't know. He just happens to be a top five wide receiver. No big deal. The, <clears throat> I guess, the Titans don't. Yeah, it's not a great receiver. I was thinking it was like, Julio, Antonio. I was like, yeah, Titans, you know. Uh, Corey Davis, uh, the the Jaguars, Marquise Lee, D.D. Westbrook. Though, talking to some people in Jacksonville, I think D.D.'s had a really good offseason. D.D. can fly. So, yeah, I mean, it's he's going to have to play well. Quite like the show as a business student myself. Is there any better system for injured reserve? Is there any way for the league to look freeing injured reserve money so teams can have more cap space in season? I know the NHL has LTIR, long-term injured reserve. So where a player is dealing with an injury, they still get paid, but the money is moved off the books. Would this work in the NFL? Well, the reality is once the season starts, I guess for trades, but once the season starts, like there aren't free agents available. Now, if you're up against the cap or close to the cap, you couldn't trade. Like if you only have $3 million in cap space, and let's say you have a $15 million player on injured reserve, you would be able to trade for a $10 million player. So, yeah, I don't hate that idea, actually, just thinking it out loud. I don't hate that idea at all. I actually like that idea a lot, now thinking about it. I I think that wouldn't be a bad idea. So I think the pup changed and injured reserve changed, right? Or definitely injured reserve changed, where you can put a guy on injured reserve, and he can come back. And when I was in the NFL, once you went on IR, you were out. But the injured reserve guy can come back. But their money still counts. But I like the idea, if you go on injured reserve, I can move your money. Now, the question would be, let's say I put, let's say Khalil Mack breaks his arm. He's going to be on injured reserve for two months, and it's week two. I don't want this to happen, but I'm just using him as an example. He makes $20 million. So you put him on injured reserve for those two months, and you get $20 million freed up. Could you go make a big-time trade? But what happens when Khalil Mack comes back in, like, November? Like, what, are you over the cap? Because in the NFL, there's a hard cap. This isn't the NBA. You can't go over it. So I think it would become kind of complicated. I don't know exactly what you would do. I was a diehard St. Louis Rams fan, and it broke my heart that they left. Any chance St. Louis ever gets a team again? Kroenke really screwed over the city, but it was all about money. The only reason the Rams were losing support here was because the product had been so dreadful for years. Thoughts? Here's what I will say. The Rams were in St. Louis because they were stolen away from L.A. Like, I'll say this for the Raiders. Like, the Oakland, Oakland is their home. So, L.A. stole them. Now, Vegas is stealing them. But Oakland's their home. So, the people of Oakland, if you're an Oakland Raider fan, you have, I, I, I can't blame you for being pissed off. If you're from San Diego and the San Diego Chargers, like, that's your team. Like, St. Louis, you guys just borrowed them for 20 years. I, I get what, I don't know how old you are, but, you know, if you were my age, when they moved to 94, you would have been like 10 years old. You would have been coming into your sports fandom. I, I get it. But I think as you get older and you take a step back, you say Cronky was a money grab, which is true because he's a Missouri guy. But, like, that that was L.A. team. 
Like of the the LA teams, the Raiders were not LA team. The St. Louis Rams were the Los Angeles Rams. They were Los Angeles' team. So I, I don't necessarily feel bad for you. Is St. Louis an NFL market? I, I don't know. Uh, I think it's better for the NFL that the Rams are in LA. And I, I'm just as an unemotional bystander. Just like this. I didn't want the Raiders to leave because it impacted a lot of friends and family. But I will say this, taking a step back, and they screwed over a lot of people that I know here that were just diehard, loyal supporters. They're probably better off being in Vegas. Uh, better economically. Now, they're not better off as long as Mark Davis and his cronies run the team, but they're better off financially being in Vegas. I don't even think that's arguable. Just like the Rams are better off now being being in Los Angeles. But I hear you. I mean, I, I'd be pissed off too if I was you. I don't think you're ever getting a team, uh, but you, 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 did, you did steal them originally from Los Angeles. Appreciate everyone asking the questions. Enjoy the weekend. Talk soon. See ya! Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality potency and consistency scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality visit lazarusnaturals.com today lazarus naturals committed to improving your life as well as the world around you not available in idaho iowa or south dakota with the wells fargo active cash credit card you can earn unlimited two percent cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need that means you earn on what you want like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash.